are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final show of the week. And, well, yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. So there was some news coming out of, well, Sacramento of all places with Sam Amick of The Athletic talking about how there's maybe some discontent, some friction in the Pelicans locker room. Is there truth behind that? Is there not? Does this actually matter? We'll break that down in the first segment of today's show, and I'll let you in on what I know. And then we'll also get into shooting. The third thing that David Griffin says he wants to add to this team Is it the most important? Is it not? That's kind of an interesting way to look at it and just how bad was it for New Orleans last season. And then we'll get into some more general NBA playoff talks. I'm going to make some picks for what's going to go down in the first round. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So before we get into all of that, today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app. Join me next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Central to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, so different locker room stuff, I guess. Head coach and players stuff. On a radio appearance in what looked like in Sacramento, Sam Amick of The Athletic went on and was talking about the Kings keeping Luke Walton. And throughout all of that, kind of dropped a nugget in there about the Pelicans having some less publicized head coach player friction, something that hasn't really kind of come out a lot around this team. And I think initially people were quick to dismiss Amick. He does live in Sacramento, but he covers the NBA nationally for The Athletic. I actually know him. I've recorded podcasts with him on the Locked On NBA show where he used to be a co-host slash regular guest. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of contacts around the league and has very, very good info. And just because this is something you don't like hearing and it comes from someone not necessarily right connected to the team doesn't mean that you should wave this away and be like, oh, nothing to see here or he, you know, he's full shit or BS, whatever. There's truth to this. Just straight up. There is truth to this. To what degree? I, I got to be careful. I can't go into it that much. But yes, there is some friction between players and coaches and I'm going to leave it at that. It's not one of those things where it's like substantiated enough that I can like really report on a lot of the details from things I'm hearing. But one of the things that I might not, I do on the show is if I, even if I don't give you like direct inside information of this is happening or they're thinking this, I often beat around the bush more or less. And you can try and infer what I'm trying to get to by what I'm saying. Longtime listeners and followers of mine kind of know this, um, and this way I don't burn sources, other things like that. But yes, there is some, I don't want to call it internal strife. I don't think this is actually a real big thing overall, though there is some potential that it could be a bit of a problem much later down the line. You know, Aaron Bruski of HoopBall.com on Twitter was saying he thought it felt like the top was about to blow off the Pelicans. No, it's not. Like, not even remotely close to anything like that. This is what I tend to think of as more of just a long losing season. You're going to get frustrated with other people during that time, right? You know, if you ever taken a week long trip with like a friend of yours, you kind of hate them by the end of it, right? It's 
kind of similar to that. And that's why I also think in the end of season media availability, you saw some stuff from the players where they were maybe a little bit colder towards Stan Van Gundy. And if that surprised you, it, it shouldn't. It was just a long losing year and everyone hates losing basketball. If they were winning, none of this would be an issue whatsoever. I truly believe that. So if they put together a winning season next year and have some success, I don't think this is going to be a thing. I think this has more to do with losing in a long COVID-related season. That said, Stan Van Gundy probably isn't the easiest guy to play for compared to Alvin Gentry, which they're coming from, who was very much more relaxed, right? Not really practicing, a little bit looser, but this team very clearly needed some more structure and needed a guy to come in who had a little bit more authority and held these guys more accountable if they want to take leaps as players. And if this team wants to make a leap and be in contention for the postseason or any sort of playoff success as well. So I think this is just kind of a normal thing. Yes, there is. There are some guys who you could probably say don't like Stan Van Gundy. But at a certain point, you don't have to love your head coach. You're a basketball player. You need to do your job. And I think we can look at this team and probably say everyone outside of Zion, but even then you could include him in this, needed to have played better. And there are times that they could have played better and I'll need to take leaps as players. And are they pushing themselves enough as players to be able to do that? Or is that the head coach's job? And if it bothers them a little bit, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. If I were David Griffin looking at this, I would just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal to me. So hearing this report come out, it's no surprise, but I don't think there's anything really going on enough here that we need to be concerned about it. Hence why it hasn't really been reported upon or talked about much. It's just kind of the natural thing. So if there's a takeaway I want you to have from this, it's don't worry about this. There's some of this stuff, yes, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. If it's players that don't want to practice as much, like look at the team and look at your record and look at your level of play. You need to be practicing more. You need to be trying to push yourself as a basketball player so that this team can have success. I don't see this so much as an issue with the head coach so much as it's maybe an issue with the players and them needing to just be in the right headspace, the right mentality. And well, given the results we had this season, I can't say that they are. I don't think Stan Van Gundy was a good coach this past year, like at all. Some things got a little bit better, but at all, was he a good coach? No. That doesn't mean he's necessarily wrong for what he's trying to do and push these guys. And even he said he didn't coach them as hard. Who knows what it would have looked like then if it if he did. So maybe he did the right thing by not coaching them as hard and kind of reading the room and understanding where the players are mentally with him. But yes, there, there's some, I don't know what to call it. It's not friction. It's you know, maybe a little bit of rumblings of discontent, but yeah, it's totally fine. And I think the normal course of things, and if they start winning, which they should next year, and they probably need to do next year, this will all go away and it won't be a big deal. So we'll get into three point shooting for New Orleans and just how bad they were last year and why this is still, despite Zion, a very important thing that they want to add to the team. But before we get to that, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by the Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension free. Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, 
and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, and Maria Sharapova, alongside hundreds of thousands of customers. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now to get your Theragun Gen 4 today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. Okay, three point shooting and spacing the basketball court for mainly Zion Williamson. So there's a bit of an issue last season to a, to a degree. For the Pelicans, three-point shooting certainly was an issue. I don't think spacing the court for Zion actually was as big of an issue as some might have made it out to be. But the Pelicans were not, were not a good three-point shooting team. They were 25th in three-pointers attempted at just 30.4 per game. They were 26th in three-point percentage at 35%, 34.8%. And David Griffin, in his end-of-season media availability and on TV and the final game uh, before that against the Lakers mentioned adding more three-point shooting saying they will not this team will not be in this position again to not have enough first and foremost shooting is probably the most important thing you can have in the NBA right now it's a three-point driven league three-point shooting is one of the most important things you can have on the team I'm going to repeat that one more time three-point shooting is one of the most important things you can have on any NBA team it becomes a math thing. Teams are so good at shooting threes right now that if you don't and the other team does, you're behind a point basically every possession, every time you're trading buckets. It becomes a math problem. You lose because of that. That's a very real thing that we see pretty often with teams in the NBA. So the Pelicans not to have that hurts. And a lot of that has to do with the players that they had on the roster. J.J. Redick was in a slump. Nicolo Melli was not good this year. You have a guy like Josh Hart who is in, not inconsistent at best with it, but not a great three-point shooter. He shot under 33% so far this past season. 30, Yeah, 33%. Eric Bledsoe just is a guy that teams don't respect. He shot 34%. And when you look at guys in their shooting percentage, well, the Pelicans had two guys that shot above 40 Jackson Hayes being one of them, so on 0.2 attempts per game. And Wenyan Gabriel, who shot 40.6% on one and a half attempts per game. Very limited volume there. It's just not going to get it done. And you need to have three-point shooting. Now, you don't need to have three-point shooting to space the court for Zion Williamson because teams are always going to double him over covering a shooter out there in the corner. If you've got Wenyan Gabriel in the corner or Zion, and Zion Williamson with the ball near the basket and you're an opposing coach, what do you do? Are you going to say, no, 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 instead of doubling Zion, we'll let him play one-on-one, -on -one, but we're going to put a guy to cover Wenyan Gabriel in the corner, or are you going to force two guys on Zion and get the ball out of his hand and let anyone else beat you? We know the answer to that question. So putting more shooters, unless they're like 45% shooters from three on the court, isn't going to space it for Zion because he's such an efficient scoring threat that teams will always try and take that away. But you do need shooters to make 
the team pay, the opponent pay when they cover him. When they commit two guys to him, you need that open man because it's five on five, right? So when you put two guys on one, they've got only you know three defenders for the rest of your four guys. So someone is open. You need that open guy that you can find to make that team pay by committing that extra defender to Zion Williamson. And that's something that the Pelicans were not able to do last season. They, The numbers speak for themselves. And Christian Clark has this in The Advocate on a great article about this too. The Pelicans made more threes than their opponent only 14 times in 72 games. They were 9-5 and five when they outshot their opponents from three, but were 22-36 and 36 when their opponents outshot them. I mean, like, yeah, duh, right? It becomes a math thing at that point. And you want to know who more shooting is really going to benefit than anyone. It's not Zion Williamson. It's Brandon Ingram. And I've talked about this at length so far this season. Brandon Ingram's uh, shot profile has really changed this year. He was shooting dramatically different than he did last year where he was able to get to the rim about double what he was able to do this season. And yet still, he averaged basically the same exact numbers per game that he did last season with a dramatically different and more inefficient, you could say worse shot profile because you had Zion Williamson down low because you had Steven Adams down low too. And so if two guys are going to be on Zion and one's going to be around Steven Adams, that's at least three guys in the paint. There's no lanes for him to drive to. There were no lanes for, you know, even a guy like Lonzo Ball to drive to. Not that he would have anyway, but you, you get the point. There was really no space and no lanes for those guys to get to the basket. That's not a great position to put other players in. So this is less about Zion and more about a guy like Brandon Ingram, I think, and making teams pay. So more shooting, like yes, to be able to keep up with the math and to open things up for Brandon Ingram a whole lot more. And look, they'll be able to find those open shots because Zion is going to create those because he's got so much court gravity wherever he is when he's out there on the hardwood. So we'll get into the NBA playoffs here and picks for the first round, which is perfect because today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action over at BetOnline, and you can get the latest news, odds, and info for every sport, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. And don't sit on the sidelines anymore. The NBA playoffs are underway right now, and you want to get in on the action. So head to the website using your phone or laptop. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On over at BetOnline, BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, the NBA playoffs are about to get started tomorrow. We have the final play-in tournament game tonight. I'm not as worried about this because I think whoever uh, wins, whether it's Memphis or the Warriors, still loses to Utah, though the Warriors would certainly make that series a whole lot more interesting. But I'm going to give you picks for the first round here because I think this is going to be somewhat interesting and pretty fun. I like Utah. Let's go west and then east. I like Utah beating whoever the eighth seed is going to be. I like the Clippers over the Dallas Mavericks in like five or six games there. I actually like Denver over Portland, but I could see this one going to seven. And if it gets that far, Damian Lillard in there should scare the absolute hell out of Denver. And then in the, in the weird two seven seed Phoenix versus the Lakers, right? It should be Lakers two, Phoenix seven, you would think, but it's reversed here. That sucks for the Suns. 
They had their best season in like a decade. They look fantastic and they get in a weird fluky year. The Lakers in the first round. Also, the Clippers won't have to face the Lakers until the conference finals, by the way, because they kind of out-tanked their way to avoid um, falling into certain spots there. They didn't want the three seed. They wanted the four to avoid that. But the Lakers, I think, are going to beat the Phoenix Suns in the first round, which is mi- minorly annoying. In the Eastern Conference, the playing tournament is set with the Indiana Pacers getting sent home, which we kind of like. Maybe they want to blow that up a little bit, though they probably won't. Philadelphia over Washington. I think they basically sweep that team right there um brooklyn over boston it's probably gonna be like five games or six i like the bucks over miami despite what happened last year i'm really hoping the bucks win this one too because of drew holiday and we still love him and want to see him have even more success you know even if it's not here in new orleans anymore and then the series that i think is going to be really fun and really close is going to be the new york knicks versus the atlanta hawks I kind of like both of those teams, and I'm going to be rooting for the Hawks in this one, but the Julius Randle resurgence this year was was very real and very legitimate, but the Hawks are fun. There's a lot of offense there. I do worry about them defensively at times, but I think they're going to have enough offense to make up for it, and I think they'll probably find some way to contain Randle to a certain degree, so I have them winning that one. Overall, coming out of the East, I have the Brooklyn Nets. I still have the Los Angeles Lakers coming out of the Western Conference as well. Well, and I think you're going to see a Lakers-Nets finals, which would be a whole lot of star power in the NBA finals in a pretty fun series, I think. So there's the picks for the first round and the finals pick in general, though that's probably going to change as we go on through this. So we'll have more playoff coverage too. But now that more or less the playoff bracket is set, I wanted to kind of touch on those today and give you guys some picks on a Friday here. So that's going to end this edition of Locked On Pelicans, this week of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and a whole lot more off-season talk coming back to you guys on Monday.